last time on These Are the Voyages. The end of season three ends with John Dutton helping someone from California change a tire because they don't know how to change a tire. The person's like, and the person's like, I don't, well, and the, and the person's like, I don't have any money to give you. And he's like, you know, around here we do things because it's the right thing to do. Uh, in other words, we do things because we care. And now the conclusion. Sounds like Wisconsin, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I would not know. I only understood that reference. <laughs> wow. Well, like they say people that are from, what is it, the Midwest are supposed to be like the nicest people ever. Salt yeah. type people, yeah. And so I don't know, like I, like I said, we, we have a friend, you know, who, who's uh, from Wisconsin. So um, he's, he's honestly like one of the most like innocent behaving people I've ever met, but deep down he's not, you know, but yeah. like, <laughs> but he's, he, you know, he's just, I'm sure like, you know, he, he wouldn't help anybody. So. Oh yeah. He gave you the shirt off his back, you know, and it's like, it's not just like, oh, well, people from the Midwest are better. It's just California has a mindset of being a million miles an hour all the time. And you'll see it when, like, we don't talk about, like, um, yeah, you, 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 uh, we're going to go here. We have to explain how to get there. Like, if you've ever watched the SNL skits about the Californians, and like, yeah. That's us. That's how, that's really, honestly, that's how we talk. Like, like we'll talk about where we are. We're close to the 99 or we're close to the 80 or we're close to the 210 or we're close to the 15 or something like that. And it's just yeah. like, that is, um, right. we don't think on small scales anymore. We think on large scales and, yeah. and our culture was raised to be, honestly, we're incredibly selfish people. We have the largest economy in the world here. And uh, we have the richest real estate in the world here. And um, we don't have, um, we have a housing crisis and a homeless crisis and addiction and mental health crisis is on, on, on scales we've never seen in the history of our state. And we have leadership that would rather divide us and would rather sit there and say, you know, turn a blind eye and focus on, um, you know, we have our forests are burning down. We have hundreds of people dying in forest fires every year because our um, we have uh, you know people who want to fund elections that are in charge of you know um, tech companies and things like that who would rather um, you know just ignore the actual issues at hand and put themselves get themselves someone who will serve them and not not the state itself um you know we have we have a certain type of environmental mindset here where you know we'd rather save an endangered lizard than to clean up a forest that could burn down and kill 88 people like what happened in paradise two years ago um, we had a fire about about an hour and a half north of here that was absolutely devastating and it moved so fast that people couldn't get out of their homes and they were killed they were burned alive in their own homes and in the cars trying to leave um, really, and we have a, a system here that's set up to fail, and they like it that way because it brings the richer more money, and it makes our government officials look like they're saviors when they do the smallest thing to help the community. And um, people are very disillusioned about who's really in charge here, 
Right. And yeah, and they seem to think like people actually care about them when they don't. And that's kind of what spoke to me. The large thing that spoke to me, uh, there's all these rich people that could help these people that could get them the care that they needed, get them psychologists, get them started on medication, get them food, get them shelter. Would rather sit in their high rise towers and complain that, you know, the AC is too high, you know, or, or they didn't get the right kind of snappy for dinner. (laughs) One one thing that like really stood out to me though, was um, they were talking about, they were talking about a lot about um, how like these sanctuaries are like quote unquote a safe place. You know, the government wants people to stay there no matter how overcrowded it gets, you know, um, technically, or in other words, like out of sight, out of mind, right? Right. Um, jobs are hard right. to come by. Um, they're only, only, um, only placements are available, which I think are like, just like minor job opportunities, but it's so hard to get those, you know, um, jobs like a are. Staffing, staffing firm type deal. Right. Yeah. And, um, the economy is not good. They talk about the economy not being good. Um, and it's just, yeah. And then like, just, you know, the, the worker who's working like in these, in this government office, who's like, you know, um, I guess she's registering, um, Cisco and Bashir, right. And she gives him these ration cards and she's like, you can use them to get food and water at any distribution within the district. And, um, it just blew my mind because, you know, like you said earlier, um, people are literally given these um, like food stamps, EBTs, and they're not given or they're not like, like, I just, I don't understand why they're not, I don't know why the government is not trying to help these people persevere or succeed financially, you know, and like socially, like within, like to contribute within society. Um, I understand that there's people that can't, honestly, like there's people that literally cannot, like they're handicapped or whatever the situation is, right? But um, the people that are in these sanctuaries are really trying to work. They want to, they don't want to be there anymore. They want to live in their own home, in their own property, like with their families, you know, and the government's just like out of mind, out of sight, out of sight, out of mind, right? So I just, you know, just off the bat, like that really, Mm-hmm. just reminded me so much of what's like going on in, in at least within like where we live you know so we yeah. see that a lot it's very it's a very common theme you know and and people are purposely put into um like i said quote unquote sanctuaries here i mean <laughs> they're not called that they're called different things um but and i'm not like we're not t- trying to like target or like attack anybody who is within that situation currently because again like i said there's people who um, just really need the help, right? And that's fine. But then there's people that are are being told that they shouldn't, or at least that they can't, or they can't. they're not mm-hmm. given that opportunity. Um, they're not presented that opportunity. Um, so I just, it just reminded me of like that, that those groups of people that are in the same, um, in, in the same like, you know, um, spectrum of, of like limbo it's like it's literally like a limbo right because they're being forced to depend on this government and it's not it's not working out it's clearly not working so there well you also have people that are are have the victim mentality and 
are okay living like that and are okay being welfare queens and are okay with that. And they're being told that because of their disposition or where they come from or who they are, that um, it's somehow the government's fault and that, um, that they are how they are. I can understand coming from different backgrounds and, and having issues with Ill, mental illness or anything like that, having having a um, somewhat of an excuse not to succeed. Um, but definitely here in California, there is a culture of, I don't have to work because the government's providing for me, so I'm not going to. Um, I know a few people who honestly have told me they've had more kids because it gets them more cash aid and they don't have to go to work to earn that. Um, I've, yeah, I've seen people get thousands monthly in cash aid and tax refunds and they take their kids to Disneyland, which is fine. Really. I don't care if you take your kids to Disneyland. Um, what I care about is the tax dollars that are coming out of my pocket and what that's funding. And the fact that someone like me is, is, is funding these programs and, um, we're there, these, people, at least I wasn't in my generation, the millennial generation, and I was born in 82. Um, we were never taught anything about mutual funds, how to balance a checkbook, uh, taxes, um, what to do when you fill out a job application. Um, we weren't taught about uh, the social climate at the time. Uh, I was a senior in high school when 9-11 happened and I was a junior in high school and we had Columbine. We were not talk, taught about well, anti-bullying. We weren't taught about the scourge that is mental illness um, and how bad it actually was. Um, and we just see it growing and there's no education about that at all here. And California has the worst schools I think it's we're like 48th on a list of our schools and how bad they are in the state of California. Are, are schools within the minority communities are really really bad. bad. Um, that was one of the that was one of the biggest problems during this um, recent um, um, like governor uh, recall election that happened. Not to bring it up, but like just give, to give you an example, like one of the biggest issues was that like that was exactly one of the biggest issues we've had here. And even for a long time, you know, our schools here, our public schools suffer so much from just all the decisions that are being made um, behind the curtain, you know, and it's just, it's sad because I went to public school here and, you know, I've, I've experienced a lot of, um, a lot of those, like those uh, things, those problems firsthand as a student in, in California, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, but I think now it's worse. I mean, my, I have a nephew who is 14 and he's, he just started high school and at a public school, at a public school and, um, just seeing him and hearing about, I always try to ask him how, how his day is going in school, you know, or how I went or whatever. And, and it's just crazy. Like, it's literally like a weird, um, what is it called when you try to like, when you're trying to like not brainwash people, but like for like um, I forgot what it's called, but like just when you send people, right there you go, like an indoctrinating camp, you know. Um, so they're not even schools; they're not getting you know much of what they need to get as far as education goes, you know. And there's there's they're, um, they're being set up to fail, is what it is. Ex exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. There, I want to, I want to pause real quick. There's, there are these, um, 
uh, two like kind of stories that kind of contributed to this particular episode that I think y'all might find interesting that maybe our listeners would find interesting um, as well. Um, part of it uh, had to do with an article that was actually published in the LA Times. Um, and then there was also um, an observation from uh, one of the creators of this of this show too. Um, so let's, I want to start with this observation first. So Iris Stephen Bear, who's one of the creators, uh, one, one of the, the main folks um, associated with Star Trek Deep Space Nine, said that um, the, um, his, the inspiration for the sanctuary districts came from his real-life experience in the 20th century. Quote, I was down in Santa Monica one day, and there were all these homeless people there. And it was a beautiful day, the ocean, sky, sun, homeless people everywhere. And all these tourists and people up and about and they were walking uh, past these homeless people as if they were part of the scenery. It was like some artist had done some interesting rendition of juxtaposition between nature and urban decay right in front of me. And the fact was that nobody seemed to care at all. And I said, there has to be something about that. Where does that go? How far do you take that? And that evolved into the idea for the concentration camps essentially for homeless. Yeah, uh, that sounds like Venice Beach. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's exactly Venice. Um, so I grew up in the Venice area uh, for the most part, and I went to school there too, and um, in that area. And um, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, he's 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 right, and I'm glad that he brought that up as an not only just as an episode you know, but also just kind of like a, you know, just a warning sign. Like, guys, like, there's something not, like, this is only going to get worse if we if we keep, like, enabling it, you know, and um, we need to help these people. We need mm-hmm. to find long-term solutions and not, you know, but again. <laughs> well, here, we'll check out, check, check out this thing from the LA Times, okay? So uh, while the episode was filming, an article in the LA Times described a proposal yeah. by the mayor that the homeless people of that city could be moved to fenced-in yeah. areas so as to contain them in an effort to, quote, make downtown Los Angeles friendlier to business. Shortly thereafter, Alexander Sadig, who played Dr. Bashir, stated, it yeah. turned out that past tense was the best timing of all because the LA City Council is actually trying to set up something called sanctuaries in LA for the homeless people right now, which are enclosed areas where they wish to put all homeless people. The anti-sanctuary people saw our show and were astounded to see that someone had done this. It's, hap- it's a happening thing and at the moment. Sanctuaries are going to be developed in L.A. Um, it's already happened in Sacramento. Right. And San no, no, my obviously this episode was in the, the mid-90s. So if, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there you go. In retrospect, Sadig uh, later commented further on this coincidence, stating... The episode was almost a cinematic version of that statement by the L.A. Council. As Ira Bear commented, the plan was to, quote, put aside part of downtown Los Angeles as a haven, nice word, a haven for the homeless. Similarly, as Robert Wolf said, that was what the sanctuary districts were, places where the homeless could just be so no one had to see them, and literally there it was in the newspaper. We were a little freaked out. Wow. So one thing that I just want to say, um, so that place is called Skid Row. (laughs) And I used to drive through it every day going to school, uh, going to college. um, And um, yeah, it's Chase. I don't I I know you've been to California and you've been to L.A., 
but I don't know if you've ever driven through Skid Row. I might have without even knowing it, to be honest with you. It's literally a third world country. I remember, yeah. So I remember driving through um, Hollywood, Burbank, all different parts of L.A., and I couldn't tell you which neighborhood, which whatever is what, but I remember seeing a lot of trash, um, like garbage all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. I remember seeing a lot of homeless people and shopping carts and tents and tarps and all sorts of stuff all over the place. Um, Whether that was yeah. Skid Row or not, I don't know, but um, <laughs> I did see Brad Pitt driving in an Escalade one time. With his with his plate was actually B Pitt, by the way, in case you're, you're wondering. That's so funny. I was right Sam. next to Brad Pitt when I was um, staying with some friends in Burbank one time. It's funny because with us, like, we see celebrities every other, like, whatever. Right, it's no big deal. You know? yeah. It's kind of yeah. like, you yeah. know, like, I, I remember sitting right behind David Spade at a Five Guys in, like, L.A. one time. I'm like, oh. Okay, cool. He had a blue truck and he had his arm in a cast and he blew right through uh, the stop sign. Um, um, I think it was on uh, Washington (laughs) Santa Monica Boulevard. Just right through it. (laughs) So that was Shia LaBeouf. But um, but it was just like, um, we, Hollywood is such an overrated thing here too. It's just, Everyone's like, oh, do you see movie stars? I'm like, fuck nope. them. You know, I've like, seen we the don't care about them I've seen here. The dog like, park, and that's about it. No, we, um, because, um, yeah, Skid Row, you're, when you go down Skid Row, the buildings on Skid Row are having overtaken, like I said, by homeless people. Um, people live in these buildings rent free. Um, people are dying of overdoses on the streets. Um, I've driven down Skid Row and seen dead bodies. Um, there, uh, there's constant uh, place is, activity. So that is not an exaggeration. Literally, no. like I just watched a documentary about that. Um, well, it was a mini um, episode of a of a show and that of this guy that I watched. And um, well, I guess yeah, mini documentary. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was literally literally one of the things that um, he talked about. And it was it's, it's a problem even like within the enforcement um uh like you know um like the cops like that's something that they're constantly called for are dead bodies of young people 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 think they're sleeping you know they're sleeping on the sidewalk when they're dead they're finding dead bodies inside buildings that have been there for months um you know it's just it's just the the there's a yes there's a pandemic but we need to look at how many people and children are being taken by drugs For sure. and a, a, the big drug here right now is fentanyl that's and, a real pandemic yeah. i think <laughs> yeah it's it's terrible and and people do not care you have yes you have the outreaches that go there and they're like here's some food and clothes have a nice day um we don't have enough facilities to, or personnel or doctors nurses psychologists mental health specialists to address the situation they're too busy wanting to make money they're too busy with people and the healthcare system here is broken um there's no real 
I can talk about later, but I'm watching it in, in real life person that how bad this met the medical mental health um, situation here is in California. Uh, I'm watching it firsthand with someone that's very, very dear to me and how abhorrent the the care is that these people are needing and getting and and they're not um they're not being cared for correctly they're not given the right type of materials they're medicating them and sending them on their way um because that's all they can do really that's all they can do and um meanwhile you have you know people going to you know french laundry and spending twenty thousand dollars on dinner with their friend, you know, and, and, you know, instead of, instead of, you know, putting, uh, doing fundraisers and getting medical facilities built and getting homeless shelters in place that could really impact these people's lives. And, you know, I get a lot of, you know, bullshit about, oh, what do you do to help people? Um, I'm a domestic violence advocate, you know, like we, I work with a lot of women trying to escape situations and I do what I can with what I have. And people are so comfortable in their little lives and their little bubbles here that they're not willing to put themselves out of their comfort zone to help somebody else. Sure. It it kind of reminded me um, what you just said, Melissa, about how the woman I'm assuming she's like a federal employee or like a, you know, governor employee. And she's the one that gives Cisco and Bashir the, the ration cards. Yeah. cards. And there's something that she tells them. She's like, um, she's like, so stay away from the district security um, because they just got budget cuts and they're overworked and underpaid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, it kind of, and even her, like later, I think it's in part two where she kind of elaborates a little bit about her own story and how okay. she pretty much says what you're talking about. Like just um, every day I have to like learn how to, how to just get through my job. I have to like figure out how to get through my job every day, you know, because I, yeah. she doesn't, she obviously, she doesn't want to like put people in the system so that it's it's just a constant cycle you know she wants right. to try and, and help people but she knows that she needs this job as well she needs to survive too so she's thinking about her family herself but she's also like overwhelmed and constantly like you know beaten down by this vicious cycle of like like you said earlier victim culture <laughs> essentially yeah. but even then even then though like just you know putting people in the system who who have potential and that just need a little bit of support, you know, at least, I don't know, like you're, you're not going to be able to do that within the system. Like that's constantly making you seem like, or at least forcing you to feel like you're a victim, you know, or at least like putting that in your mind that you're, you can't do anything because the color of your skin, or you can't do anything because, you know, this amount you're checking people, Yeah. <laughs> this group of people like won't like I don't know like I'm just saying because again I'm I'm Hispanic um, mm-hmm. I'm like triple minority because I'm a daughter of immigrants I'm Hispanic I'm a woman <laughs> you know I'm a lot and of you're Jewish I yeah I'm like like just a big ball of victimhood I guess (laughs) so like you know I but yet I'm in grad school you know I um I'm I'm working 
to better myself. You know, I'm I'm trying to do more for myself. Like I'm not okay. gonna just sit around and wait for like, you know, for somebody to like take me out of my misery. Sure. You know, to like, sure. I don't know. Like I just I feel like I have every right to to speak about this because I'm I'm like a perfect example of of it doesn't matter what color skin you are. It doesn't matter. Who, who your family is, who your parents are, or where they came from. No, as long as you yourself decide, hey, you know, like, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna help my, I'm gonna put myself in, in, in the better place, in a better situation. I'm gonna provide my family with better, a better life. You know, you can do it, you know? And you so, want it bad enough. You want is, it bad yeah. enough. And this, you work so hard this is, for that. This is, um, the segue. This is a really good segue for for what I I want to get at. Um, I know we've been hopping around, and there's been like chunks and gaps that we haven't talked about. We've had such a rich conversation about realities <laughs> and even parallels yeah. with Star <laughs> Trek so far. But what I what I yeah. want to get at is um, that thing about people just not caring, but then tying it to what you're saying that about um, bettering yourself, empowering others, essentially. Um, so just give me, give me a little runway on this one. So, uh, we know that Cisco essentially takes on the role of Gabriel Bell, um, in this, uh, for reasons. Um, and along the way, uh, there's a lot of good, um, that, that takes place for the most part, like people maybe having like a perspective shift on some stuff along the way. We also have Bashir, who is feeling um, powerless, essentially, as a doctor um, in this time frame to, to help people. I mean, he makes comments about um, schizophrenics, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. um, he, he, he helps someone in a stairwell. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's able to do things. So like, we, we start to get like, this momentum of positive change that's starting to happen. And that's the thing that I think we need to remember about about Star Trek. The thing that we need to remember about any good good story is where's the hope right. that we can look to. Like, let's not just focus on the crap. Not that that's what we're doing. Like, not not like we don't want to just focus on like what makes life horrible. But what's the hope? What is the thing that we can look to to better mm-hmm. ourselves, to grow as a person, to grow as a society, as a culture? Um, so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's that's my, ne- my next question as we kind of like transition in a way um, to where's the hope in this story? Where's the hope that we, um, you know, quote unquote, living in the 21st century have mm-hmm. for, for getting to a 24th century kind of lifestyle? Well, I just want to start with like this quote, you know, that I, that from the episode. So like, I think it's, um, and I think the character's name is Webb. It's um, Michael Webb, the one that's like, you know, help trying to get people to, yes. um, you know, uh, try to gather people essentially. Um, and so he says like, the only help we're going to get is from each other. And if we don't start pulling together, we're finished. And so I, as soon as, you know, they introduce his character, you start to see like, you know, this, this slow evolution 
or I mean the slow revolution of um, of people coming together, gimmings, um, dims and ghosts, like realizing that they really do need each other, but also um, they need to really uh, work together as well to um, not, and you know, one thing that I really appreciate about this episode though, about these two episodes was that um, they weren't trying to overthrow the government. They didn't want to like do, they didn't want to like hurt anybody. They just right. want, or at least the ghost did. <laughs> but it's only because of that, you know, idiot who was like pointing the gun at everybody. But like, they just wanted to come to a compromise between like, you know, um, I guess like just a compromise in general about like, okay, look, <laughs> government, Mr. Governor, like, I get it, you know, um, you, you, you're not perfect either. We're not perfect either, but can we like come to an agreement where we can live our lives and, and be just as successful and be contributing members of society. And then you can continue doing your thing, but also just making this slight minor change. Okay. Will it kill you? <laughs> you know? So I just, I love how they like really kind of, um, highlighted that like that issue where it's like you know like like melissa said earlier you know it's like wow okay um instead of going to the french laundry today can you just can you just um you know come down to this you know this little hole in the wall the community and and just kind of experience you know what what we're going through within this crazy time during this pandemic how much we're suffering you know what i mean so i feel i feel like that was that was a really cool message i really like that yeah, and um, not with this, not particularly with this episode, but just um, something you were saying. Like, can't you just like come check out how we're living, type of thing? One of the yeah. things that um, I've had my students do whenever I teach multicultural counseling is we do these um, cultural immersion projects, where okay. you either have to interview someone that's different, categorically different than you, or you yeah. actually have to go to an event. Um, by yourself that's completely different so like if if you're a christian that means like you go to like a mosque perhaps or maybe you go to like a pride parade or you do something right um that's that gets you out of your comfort zone and Mm -hmm. so that you can see something experience something from a different perspective like walk a mile in someone else's shoes so to speak which is what which is the heart of what you're saying essentially like we just want you, we yeah. want to be understood. Like attempt to understand us, like, and that can even, go a long way. Even like just seeing Dax and how she's like she goes to this um, Chris, the CEO, right? He right. invites her to this little gathering, and these two other and I'm gonna call them elites because obviously they're going to the Alps, <laughs> you know, right. um, and having a ball. So uh, these you know rich elites, they're like there and they're talking about how they couldn't really somewhere because protests which is crazy relevant to today actually there's so many protests going on so many currently and um so they're like complaining about oh yeah you know these crazy people are protesting you know um and then and then dax is like trying to she's not like trying to be devil's advocate or anything like that because she's learning about what's going on within this era as you know as she's just like having this conversation with them and she's like you know, um, well, I mean, 
like do like why are they protesting you guys know what's going on in these sanctuaries like do you guys even like understand why people are protesting like you know and then they're these elites are just like oh you know they're just they're just people that you know just don't know how to how to you know live um or contribute or they don't know you know anything they're just they're just people you know and then she's just like looking at them like um <laughs> we're all no. we're all equal we're all, <laughs> we're all equal okay there's no just because you make slightly more than I do or just because you um I don't know have a better car than I do doesn't mean that you're like automatically better than I am you know what I mean and I think that's what she was trying to like kind of I mean and then Chris was kind of looking at her like girl (laughs) you don't even know (laughs) but like you know I just I really like how you know they, they showed that sign where she's she's learning she's not she doesn't even know what's going on but she's trying to she's in that middle ground where she's like well I mean if people are protesting then why do you think that is you know so um and it's crazy to think that these elites uh one either don't really know what's really happening because they're not being shown what's going on in the sanctuaries and two um they just they they really just like to be oblivious to it like Melissa said you know they really enjoy just you know, living the life that they have and not worrying about anything else, because as long as it doesn't affect them, then why should they care? You know, so I really like that that side of the that like, yeah, that side view during the episode, you know, because it, 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 it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. It's for me that Star Trek has always spoken hope to me, just like Lord of the Rings has, just like Star Wars has. It's a main it's one of the main ribbons through or like weaves through the entire story. I remember being very struck by um, things like first contact when they were talking how many diseases are eradicated and a lot of the stuff doesn't exist anymore. There's no more war. There's no more, uh, you know, like just simple fixes to these major things that we have now. I remember watching an episode and I can't remember exactly which one it was um, of uh, the, oh no, it was the movie. And I believe it was one of the, one of the older Star Trek movies when uh, Kirk and um, Doc were walking through the hallways and they saw, found this woman that's like in kidney failure and he gives her a pill and she's like healed, you know, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, that to me is, the hope that I think that that they bring to this these people around them it starts off as like ripple effects you know and it just takes that one person to take the step and obviously there's that bite and then Gabriel gets killed and then you know Captain has to take over and and it's just like and then he comes up at the end of the episode like they do like a Google search and his face is like right there and they're like oh Starfleet's gonna have a problem with this but it's just like it's it's the possibility of what could be if we if society stops focusing so much on their shortcomings and starts focusing on the things that actually help people and education is a huge thing and now i don't think that today's people understand that um educating everybody on an equal level and actually having professors that know what they're talking about and you know and and aren't like super biased and super you know um 
victim mentality and the fact that you have teachers that give these students hope and um the, the thought of there being such a better tomorrow if we just invest in the right areas and unfortunately where we live now that's not happening and it wasn't happening at that time either and then you have these today's protests where you have people protesting things that they have every right to protest um but i don't believe people have a right to be violent and kill people because they're angry and you see that in this um uprising that happens um in this episode where people it's the beginning of it and there's a there's a violent clash and people die and it takes that to wake our government up is that is is that what it's going to take for us is it going to take a violent uprising and people to try and get their attention and i i hope not (laughs) i would really hope (laughs) not but in this climate it's not out of the unthinkable it's happened we're watching a trial right now kyle rittenhouse he shot three people you know whether it's self-defense or not but in the middle of these Kenosha, Wisconsin riot, people died. And it's just like, people lost Mm -hmm. their livelihoods that we had rioting for months, you know? And it's just like, I saw, I remember I was 10 years old when the rioting happened in LA, um, Rodney King, King. we watched him get beat to, you know, nearly to death Mm -hmm. on TV. And, um, you know, and, but no one wants to talk about what got these people there you know how why are they upset do they you know what can we do to stop this from happening again Um, they want this to happen again there's the you know that's the way it is so the the per so robert hewitt wolf who um is credited with the teleplay for this episode um so some so here's a little little bit about the story with him so robert uh, Hewitt Wolf explained that what he and his fellow writers tried to portray in this episode were the circumstances that led humans to try to improve their societal conditions. Quote, the whole idea was that Bell, the Bell Riots were a formative thing in the history of the Federation, he commented, because it was what made people feel really bad enough to try to make the Federation. So this was, I mean, we're looking at like the fictional history of the future, right? So 2024 bell riots happen. Um, April 5th, 2063 is when first contact with the Vulcans take place. Um, in between there, in between 2024 and 2063, there's world war three where there's, there are so many people that have been killed as a result of, of war and earth is essentially at like a breaking point um but we've gotten to a point where we're we're starting to want to we're we're, i mean 2024 is like a a major turning point like where we're seeing that something needs to change but maybe we're not too sure how to change it at this point like with with Mm -hmm. what's happening with these sanctuary cities like we're seeing here in this particular episode of past tense part one and two what we don't see you know um in world war three and then, of course, what we see with the trajectory and even like some of our stumbling after First Contact uh, from the movie First yeah. Contact and even the, the show uh, Star Trek Enterprise. So yeah. I think this I mean, this episode is not only important for the future of of our future society in, in Star mm-hmm. Trek, 
um, and the future of the Federation, United Earth, stuff like that. But also really getting us to think, have new awareness for like learning to care again, right? Like learning to care for one another once again at the yeah. most basic, basic level. I'm, I'm trying not to like go mm-hmm. too Barney on it, but like seriously, <laughs> like when we, when we stop caring about each other, when we start loving one another, um, yeah. like giving, like I say this all the time, like how do you know someone needs encouragement? They're breathing. That's how you know they need encouragement. Um, if we stop doing that, then we stop grow. I believe we stop growing as a society. So we need mm-hmm. to continue to do that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Is it is it a little elementary in how I'm explaining it? Sure. Um, is it possible <laughs> for us to to you know love our neighbor and you know give a cup of sugar and say good jo- job or hey I'm proud of you or hey I love you I care about you I'm thinking of you type of thing? That's not too hard at all. We mm-hmm. do that all the time in our chat for crying out loud. And, <laughs> and well, we're if, not ignored. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I'm trying to have a positive moment right now. <laughs> but seriously, like, if, if I mean, even if we, even if we went outside of our own chat and we said that kind of stuff to mm-hmm. one another, you know, like right. whatever, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. the ripple effect that we could have um, could be very positive. But we're we're right. so isolated. We're so isolated right now that we're 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 like caged animals in a way. Yeah. We're 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 afraid to show vulnerability because we don't want to get hurt even more than we already are right now as a society, as a people. That's what is my your fear, speech. my lady? What is your fear, my lady? To be behind bars until what is it? <laughs> the old it's age, old and use or whatever, and and use. And uh, old age goes and and valor goes beyond recall or desire. Yep. Yeah. Good old age, by the way. But anyway, so <laughs> this is a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like I know Gene Roddenberry. I, I did a a little synopsis on him actually when I was in college. Um, he was one of the authors mm-hmm. and the people that I had but they said list out 10 inspirational people and um he was i think my fourth person behind tolkien who was my third person and so um and tolkien was you know kind of the the grandfather of fantasy you know and but i find it very um i think it's is in our little group of friends because we were brought together during this pandemic right um we couldn't right before it hit um we couldn't see each other we were going to go to immediate everybody was going to go to ohio and that got canceled um you know it was and then through the you know through the the channels you know we have (laughs) we have our girl group like me and sherston and nat who've hung out a few times and marty come out here you know wells Mm -hmm. has come to la um you know things like that so it's just like Mm -hmm we've had a lot of opportunity to create very strong bonds. And I know that like me and Nat, like we're, we're very close that way. And um, we have a lot of similar experiences being that we both live in the state of California. We both come from like middle-class backgrounds. Um, watching her family has taught me a lot about, um, you know, having a, a different point of view because I'm a, I'm a white woman and my parents are not immigrants. <laughs> and, you know, I was privileged <laughs> enough to be, to be here and, and not have to worry about being judged for who I was. Um, 
and watching watching that happen and knowing that that there there are people who do rise above that who don't stay pressed down and that they find the hope and um i know that even in and it's hard for everybody right now and it's not just because nat's a person of color or i'm a woman or or anything like that there's nothing that's different between any of the three of us at this at this moment unless we choose that to happen and that's why I see a lot of people doing right now. They choose to be divided and they choose to have differences instead of being proud of them being like, yes, this is where I come from. Let me share it with you. Yeah. Um, it's this is where I come from and don't come at me, <laughs> you know, and right. it's a lot of people are putting up walls. And I did see that in the episode quite a bit where you have like the crime syndicate yeah. side and you have gangs, you have people that are, you know, the crazy guy who is like <laughs> his fedora hat and <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, trying to run the show and he's I think it was, and <laughs> what was his name? Biddles or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. And I was just like, you're an idiot, you know. And and um, you know, you saw Cisco get really mean and I was like, Oh my god, he's scary. Um, but it was just <laughs> like you know <laughs> I was like, you well, know he's from the hood when he can look at you like that and he don't blink, you know what I mean? It's just so like, funny. no, he yeah. was so good in that episode, Very like that good. part two. Oh my gosh. I was like, I just love, and I love how he like, he told that district attorney, um, or district, what are we talking about? Sorry. District security. Yeah. Um, like the older guy who is yeah. not from California. Cause he definitely sounds like he's from New York, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but, um, he's, uh, he like gets mad at him cause he's trying to like protect these people, you know, cause he knows yeah. that. Um, whatever happens after that is going to like create a ripple effect, you know, in the future. I mean, from time going into the future, right? Yeah. So he yeah. he's trying not to change things, you know. So he's trying to protect this guy or um, everybody else, the hostages. Mm-hmm. And then he gets mad because this idiot like gets up and he's like, I don't know what he was trying to do. I think he was just trying to like find a way out or whatever. And so um, this that asshole with the fedora like puts a gun at him, you know? And then so Cisco gets mad and he picks this guy up, the security, and he puts him against the wall and he's like, um, hold on. He says, hold on, hold on, I have it here. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, um, well, he basically just tells him like, do you not understand um, why these people are here like mm-hmm. essentially um you know and you know again it just goes back to like the the district um security just kind of telling him well these people put themselves here you know and then cisco's like what like you know like in that was my interpretation of it it's like he thinks that people deserve to be there because in these sanctuaries because they they put themselves in that situation and then cisco's right. like that's not you're you're totally misinformed you know basically um so shut up you know <laughs> stay put <laughs> let history takes take its place right but um i really like that because again like it's 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 relevant it just circles back to you know society today like people are just so misinformed and i think that's one of the reasons why we have so much division in in this country right now it's because I don't want to go that route, but I'm just saying like our mainstream media is not, is not our friend. It's nobody's friend right now. You know, if you watch these media, these uh, media, uh, mainstream media, media news, like every night or whatever, honestly, (laughs) 
they're not informing you. They're misinforming you, you know? Um, so I'm trying to spread it. So it creates, it creates, yeah, it's effects from misinformation because if enough people say the same thing, it becomes a fact. And it's so biased too, you know? Yeah. It's very, very biased. And then, you know, we, at the same time, it's just like, I think the, I think not just Californians, but United States themselves have, have forgot to have independent thought. Um, independent thought is what yeah. brought us away from, you know, England and Britain and, and not paying taxes and not paying taxes. <laughs> and it's, you know, our fourth, I was, I was recently in, uh, in New York and I saw Alexander Hamilton's grave. And I really took a look at, I had to, you know, I've seen the Hamilton. I saw it live on Broadway. Fine. Cool. You know, I didn't actually look at the man himself. You know, I was just like, oh, he's some guy I learned about in high school. Um, And when I really looked at him, I mean, I think the people, you know, that founded this country would be heartbroken on what's going on with them right now. And and the people in our, our children and our grandchildren and the people that are going to be going to Mars or, you know, the people that are going to be Sure. Furthering our, our sciences and making big decisions are watching us now, and we're creating a history that I think will be looked at um, in in a way of like this is what happens when you allow the people in higher up positions, when you allow mainstream media, when you allow the government to divide you. And um, there's you know this old saying says divide and conquer. And, and um, I think the United States has always been that revolutionary, has always been the rebellious type. And whether it's good or bad, um, you know, is yet to be seen, but right. it's the fact that we've lost our sense of self and the fact that we see this, ha- people saw this happening 20 years ago, you know, us as sure. adults yeah. now, we were, we were children at the time. Um, and when when Deep Space Nine came out in this episode, where I think we're all pretty young, and um, I wasn't even born yet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what that's this how young I am. <laughs> nineteen ninety-five. I think it came out. Was it? Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. okay, I was born. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> and I was only twelve or thirteen at the time. And so it was just like, we didn't see, when we were watching it then, you know, in our minds, we're just like, it never happened, you know, like, this is crazy. And then we look now and you can see how fast things change with just, just something. So um, I'm not going to say minor because the pandemic has not been minor by at all, but the way that it's been handled and the fact that it's been a, a, uh, a tool to be used for people that have power to control p- other people. And the fact that it's so easy to do so. And um, the misinformation, the the not caring about each other, the fact that I, I can't tell you, just because I know people that I live around, so it's a little bit different where I'm at. I've lived in other places, I've never gotten to know my neighbor. I, I don't know who they are. In California, people are not friendly. <laughs> We're just oh, not friendly I, people. <laughs> it's so, just like so, we've been trying to do that. That's fu- just the culture here. Fun, fun story. I think uh, growing up in tech here in Texas, um, uh, I, I used to stay with my with my grandparents uh, during 
during the days, uh, during the day, during the summers. Um, so my parents didn't have to pay for daycare, which is great, by the way. Um, <laughs> mess is expensive. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on the cost of daycare. Come on, somebody. I know all the parents out there listening are like, amen, brother. Um, anyway, Mortgage so- payment. <laughs> I, I only have cats, so. <laughs> so, <laughs> mother of cats. <laughs> staying with staying with my my grandparents during the day, they had a they had a swing um, out in their front yard, and me and my grandmother, uh, usually in the afternoon, we would like be sitting on the swing, just kind of mm-hmm. swinging back and forth, and there'd be trucks and cars and vans and whatever just driving on by, and we would like wave at them, we'd wave at them, and they'd wave right back, or you know, tip their hat, mm-hmm. or whatever they were doing type of thing. That's it was cute. great. Yeah. And, uh, and that, and that happened, you know, even up until, you know, I moved, I mean, I, I moved to Michigan, uh, about a week after mm-hmm. my 13th birthday. And mm-hmm. I remember very vividly, very, very vividly that I was, um, I was out in my front yard and we couldn't have been at our, our new, our new house very long. And there was, um, a truck that was driving by and I'm waving just like I did like I was taught as a good old Texas boy I'm waving at this at this truck and no joke they gave me the bird they just gave me the bird while I was while I was like waving at him and I'm like, I'm like 13 I'm like 13 or 14 years old when this is happening I'm like what is that what what just happened what just happened? And I, I didn't do that for a long time. And then I kid you not, I did that like, I think a couple, several years later. I'm yeah. waving, like just being friendly again. Um, this time I'm like sitting in like a camp chair. And mm. like there's a car that comes by. Again, gives me the bird. And I'm like, Aww. what is going on? And like, look, <laughs> look, Michigan people. Are you waving people like this? No, I mean, no, <laughs> what I'm like, are you doing? I'm like this. Some people might find that offensive, Chase. Don't you know? Well, well, well bye bye. I mean, you don't, don't 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 flap the hand like you're giving yourself a hand five or anything like that. That's, anyway, we're getting off the rails. Okay, like we need to start. We need to start pulling into space. You're dot. the one that's talking about a bird. So look, I know like people in the Midwest are very very nice people. I have some very lovely friends that live in the Midwest still. Um, people I hold very dear. So I know not every single one of them is like that. Just like those oddballs. That just drove by, gave me the bird. I don't get it. I just don't. No, get you it. get run over here in California. We don't like. Look, people I know like that. I know that's right. <laughs> I know that's right. We had a rental car. We had a rental car when we were in Burbank. Yeah. And um, look, if you're not precog, if you don't know the light's about to turn green, man. <laughs> you better. <laughs> you have to have that ESP with the light signals, and you also Apparently. have to know how to change lanes without using your blinker and to go I ten miles on- above the speed limit. I oh, was yeah. on oh, Olive like, Street. I was on Olive Street in Burbank. Um, I think wow. I was trying to. It was like right there by the new IKEA. I think that's where it was. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to get onto. I think that would have been the five, if I'm not mistaken, going towards mm-hmm. LA. Yeah. And uh, goodness, like I was like I was right there. I was the first one in line. I know how to drive, and like it turns green, and I'm like go- I'm like going, and like they're honking at me, and I'm like, what is going that's hilarious. on? Hilarious. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those people. So, well, like it's it's like the culture here. It's fast. You have to get it's get what you want and get it fast. And 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 if you don't, yeah, 
I, it's, I, there's no I've patience. Had to learn. I've had to learn, honestly, I've had to really learn how to, how to not be that stereotypical, you know, busy city person from LA. Mm-hmm. Like it's, cause it's, it's, it's a culture and it's hard. Like, and I, I found that out about myself, like even just meeting everybody within the Lord of the Rings group. Um, cause everybody in our group is super diverse. Like we have people from all sorts of places, um, you know, different backgrounds and everything. So I really had to, um, I think me and Melissa <laughs> were the only ones that were just like very aggressive sometimes, you know, like we're just very, um, like to the point, like, you know, yeah. that's just how life is here. Like okay, We don't know like, how to slow down. Like we go 10,000 miles an hour all the time like and that's That's evident yeah it just and and you know i've talked to tony i've talked to you i've talked to marnie uh you know everybody no one's in a hurry no one no you know everybody's chill and that's just like and me and and nat are over here like anxiety (laughs) you know like we have to get there we have to do this we have to know we have to learn everything and like we have to read the menu we have to make our decision right now and it's just like you know and i think um Sheriston's kind of in the middle, you know. Denver is pretty westernized. Um, she's she's also just naturally that way as well. But it's just kind of like talking to people, and then me even going to the East Coast in the biggest city in the United States, and I'm sitting there, and people just ca- they're not walking fast, they're casually walking. Everybody's enjoying themselves and talking, and like didn't meet one rude person i'm like where am i (laughs) and i'm just like no one's like trying to hit me crossing the street no one's blowing through red lights i think the only time i heard somebody honk was on the way to the airport when i was leaving and um everybody was super nice and helpful and and they were all wondering like they're like where are you from and i'm just like california sorry (laughs) like i had to apologize because we're actually looked at as like a negative yeah like everybody likes people from california and i've i've seen stickers like don't california my texas like like people are like no we you need to leave we don't want you here like i know just and yeah. like even like me and melissa were making jokes the other day because we were like oh my gosh like people are gonna know who like where we're from when we go to texas to yeah. go see you in january chase because so listeners we're going to this really cool event with chase in texas and mm-hmm. um and so I've never been to Texas. I've never been anywhere outside of like the Western or like the West Coast area. Um, so I am I did like- I basic training of, in Lackland. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit terrified. Like, no, I'm not terrified. That's, I'm being It'll be crazy, fine. But like, It'll be fine. No, 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 yeah, I know. I just like, I'm kind of scared for people to be like, oh, you're from, California and then give me like a stink guy and I'm gonna be like mm-hmm. no I'm I'm no, sorry I'm a good I'm, I'm a good one I'm a good one. I'm, <laughs> I'm a good one I promise I'm cultured literally look at my face <laughs> just tell him you're from Laredo you'll be fine <laughs> I know I know all about Kelly Clarkson you guys please I'm a huge Kelly Clarkson I love I love We're Beyonce I, fans. I'm a huge. <laughs> <laughs> I love, wow. Um, wow. I love. I love. Just. I. I like it all. I love your 
boots. I like your hats. <laughs> you love um, your boots. I'm all about it, you guys. Please. I'm, I get it. Here we it. go. Here I'm, we I'm go. Good. All right. All right. I'm at your level. Okay. <laughs> I'm a good one. <laughs> that's well, that's kind of what if you're driving though just don't honk at people when they don't go as soon as it turns green okay like they might have a gun <laughs> no they're gonna throw their like they're gonna throw their their boots at our window or something they, they wouldn't like, waste the time on that they probably just back into you on purpose well that's true. <laughs> that too that too all right but well as anyway we, as we uh <laughs> As we land the plane on this one, so <laughs> as we do pull into space dock for this, uh, first off, thank you so much for joining me to uh, to talk about this. I know we've kind of jumped all over all over the sector talking about this from different <laughs> angles and stuff. But in all honesty, this has been a very rich conversation. I've I've loved every single second of it. Um, if you had to, as a story, okay, um, it, yes, it's broken up into part one and part two. Um, if you had to give this like a number rating, for example, like one being a dumpster fire, 10 being absolutely amazing, um, how would you rate this total story that was being told in Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Well, before we get there, I just wanted to make a, like, read a, a quote that I got from yeah, part two that I, that I, what's kind of relevant to what you, we were at, we were saying, like, how can people, um, make that change have people come together sure. and i was trying to look for it because i wrote so many notes when <laughs> i finally found it and it was just i just and i think this is a really great way to end the show as well because i want people early listeners as well just as much as me melissa and chase um to really think about it you know um and i thought it was a very powerful quote and so julian and the woman that's you know the government employee that's working at the who is a hostage right and um she tells Julian um, about, like I said earlier, she's telling him about how she is trying to not let this job get the better of her, right? And then so Julian's like, it's not your fault. Things are the way they are. And then she looks at him and she's like, everybody tells themselves that, but nothing ever changes. So, you know, I just, it's true. And I think, I think we're all responsible to make those changes. We're all responsible it doesn't matter. I, I've had this conversation in one of my classes, right? And I, I kind of spoke up and I was like, similar similar topic. And I was like, I feel like, and people were people were talking about like, oh no, like, you know, white people shouldn't, shouldn't have to talk about this because they don't understand. And which is really stupid because first of all, Melissa is an immigrant, an Irish, from an Irish immigrant family, you know, they barely even came to this, to this nation. Um, and they were just as, um, you know, what's the word, um, discriminated. discriminated against, you know, just as much as the next, um, Hispanic or black person, you know? So, um, so I just want to say like it, we're all responsible. If I'm responsible to teach you guys about my culture, about what that means to me, what it means to be, you know, American, uh, you know, firstborn generation, person of color, whatever you want to call me. Like, <laughs> so I feel like we're all, you know, and I just, I feel like if we start to share more of our stories, you yeah. know, I think, I think we'll be able to really, um, you know, that's good. Understand that and then also carry that with us wherever we go and, and learn a little bit about each other. 
and um, eventually, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> that can make a change. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's a little far-fetched. People don't like change anymore, apparently. But um, I think that at least for the, for those of us that, that really want to see that, we can start with ourselves. You know, so. mm-hmm. Like uh, Michael Jackson said, um, if you want to make a change, you got to take a look at the man in the mirror. <laughs> so, right. But yeah. Great I think song, it, by the way. It's uh, Gandhi that said, be the change you want to see in the world. And... Right. You know, and on a scale from one to ten, um, I I wish there was more to the background of uh, you know there was more story build up to what the sanctuary cities. I I wanted I wanted to see the rest of the United States at that time. You know that, but that's a lot. You know, at the same time, it's a lot. You know, they didn't talk about the government that really too much they talked about like a very centralized place and um i so i'd probably give this about an eight it's it's in one of, it's probably my top 20 i would say um i have a rating list on here because i was just kind of going through the episodes and um kind of picking out which ones i like the best and um it ended up as number 17 on my list so nice. Okay. And so, um, but it was, I think it's, I think everybody should watch it. They can form their own opinions. Not everybody's going to agree with what we say. And we're not trying to force any of opinions on anybody because it's never, never going to be the answer for anything. But um, I think education and the ability to listen is really important. And that's what I got from the episode was that if we just stopped and listened to each other, really listen to each other and not say, well, you said this, so therefore you're that. Um, making pre-judgments on people based on their opinions. Yes, some opinions are wrong, okay? we Everybody understands that. And I think that the ability to compromise um, is really important. And it avoids violence. Compromise avoids violence. And um, the, uh, the inability to listen and the inability to come to an understanding of that other person um, it goes nowhere and it just goes in circles just you know it just never solves anything and i think that's kind of what we see here that it took something that didn't need to happen for things to change and sorry (laughs) and um and that there was um people lost their lives of you know for people's inability to open their eyes and listen because it's not Absolutely. just listening, it's also seeing. Absolutely. Very good. How about you, Nat? So I would um, I would definitely give it, I want to give it an eight as well, um, just because, um, I, again, I felt the same way. I felt like the ending was a little bit anticlimactic just because I would have wanted to see like some sort of, and you know what, honestly, I do appreciate that it wasn't like a happy ending because that's not really realistic, you know? Um, and even now, uh, uh, just within modern times, you know, we're still, like I said earlier, we're still trying to, or at least those of us that, that do want to see the change, we're still trying to figure it out as we go and how we can ourselves impact our own 100%. society, like, or contribute, you know, to change. Um, cause that's definitely like my self-actualization goal is, is to at least leave behind some sort of like blueprint, <laughs> you know, um, at least within my realm of, 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 of 
expertise, you know. Um, so, um, so I, but at the same time, I would have really liked to have seen like, just something like, I would have liked to have seen maybe like what was going on or at least between Dax and Chris, you know, <laughs> cause Chris was like, I'm pretty sure he was like, okay, well, I guess yeah, I'll never see you again, even though I'm completely in love with you, you know? <laughs> so Absolutely, I, feel kind yeah. of, I feel so bad for Chris, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I guess, I guess overall, yeah, I, I appreciated the ending and I appreciated that it made us all kind of, it left us all thinking. And then I love like that Cisco and Bashir had that last, you know, little conversation, you know, Julian was like, I still don't, or Bashir, I, I still don't understand um, how that could have happened or how, how did, you know, the U.S. allow that to happen? And then Cisco just kind of like looks away and he's, you know, just as confused. And he's like, yeah, I guess, I guess we will never know why, but um, I, I think that's a good, that was a good way of, of, of letting audiences to kind of think about, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> this is why you know but um you know it just it just really leaves a deep thought so i really appreciate that and yeah so yeah so 8.5 8. 8.5 8. <laughs> 8. huh 8. well just because of that like last bit of like psychological you know impact okay. um okay it was very it's, it was very inception of him so <laughs> i can dig it you know one thing that um um, y'all know this, and, and I'm sure some of the listeners out there know this about me, that um, I'm a counselor, and um, I, I one area of research that I tend to camp out in is what's called interpersonal neurobiology, and there's a lot to it, um, and just a very, one of the very basic concepts is just like being known, experiencing being known by someone else, basically, and whenever we feel felt... Uh, we have this right brain to right brain connection. We experience being known. We experience being understood by one another. And the two parts in this, in the not the two parts of the story, but just two clips essentially in this story that really stand out to me is whenever Bashir's talking about how, um, you know, like why, why don't they just t treat these men, right? Treat these people, you know, type of thing. Um, and then th we have like the whole like, caring thing versus not caring type of thing. Um, they just need the proper medication. They would be completely fine. And like, I don't know why it is, but like the one scene that just stands out to me the most out of like the entire two parter is like, it's so innocuous it, and it's so brief. It's silly for me to even say this, but it's just when Bashir is in that stairwell, he kneels down and he takes care of that sick man that's sitting on like, a, a flat mattress basically and I don't know why that stands out to me so much but like that is like the one scene that's just like burned into my head uh, with this particular episode for some reason um, and I, I realize there's like an hour and a half more of other stuff that could be burned in my brain but mm -hmm. this is a very I think this is a very poignant episode um, a very poignant story I should say um, in in Star Trek, especially in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And I think this is one of the standout ones that doesn't get enough love um, compared to the others throughout its entire seven season run. Uh, for me, I would give this an eight. I think this is, I think this is a solid episode. Um, I think there's more stuff that could be explored, more stuff that could be fleshed out, of course. I mean, just like any other story. Um, 
But I think that this story, this particular story is one that does stand the test of time and that this is one story that um, right now we as an American society probably need it more than ever Um, to be reminded to care for one another and to shut up and listen to one another. One thing that my buddy Eric talks about all the freaking time is Mm. how he loves it when people sit down Mm. at a table and talk about the plan of what we're going to do to make a difference, basically. Like, what's the mission plan, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And while there may be a table involved, there's this also metaphorical table that's present in this episode where it's getting us to sit sit down at a table and understand other people. Yeah. So um, I think this is a fantastic episode. Like right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So... Anyway, well, we, we are at the end of, yeah. of uh, this little discussion. So thank you both so very much again yeah. for, for joining me and, and having these long rambles together about this episode, <laughs> about this story. Yeah. And again, like Melissa said, you know, opinions are opinions. But when you have a firsthand experience, then, you know, that's when they have true value. So um, everybody, please, you know, share your your true valued experiences with others, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us, Chase. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a pleasure having you too. And for, um, for the listeners out there, I mean, what did you think of this story? Uh, this two parter episode from deep space nine, uh, did you like it? Did you love it? Um, you're kind of indifferent about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, whatever you thought, whatever you felt about it, let us know, check out, check us out, trtvpod.com. And, um, you can uh, let us know under the hailing frequencies tab. Uh, you can leave your opinion, give us a show idea, whatever it might be, right there, and we'll check it out. Um, there at, at our website, you can learn how to support the show either through um, through the socials. We're on all the socials at TRTVPod. And um, you can also support us financially on Patreon.com. Um, or just tell your friend about it. Tell your friends about it. Like, download Ooh. it. Make them ring the bell so they're notified whenever a new episode <laughs> comes. In fact, go grab your friend's phone. Go to, like, Spotify or... Stitcher, Audible, whatever, and just subscribe them. And then they'll wonder, why the heck am I getting a Star Trek podcast? Because you're a friend that cares. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> so with that, um, you know, make sure, make sure you, um, you do support the show however you do. Uh, we have a growing community on Facebook uh, mm-hmm. that we'd love to have you um, part of, yeah. uh, where we do polls and other random conversations about stuff. On that, if you do want to just mail, um, email us directly, you can do that. Open up Hailing Frequencies. Send it to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, finally, if you do want to mail us something like, I don't know, a ration card, you can do that. Make sure you get to, to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. And as we leave here, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.